said you wanted my treasure It turns out the treasure was me I came here with hands that were empty But that's all you needed from me So I'm coming just as I am now This is my
Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Rise Up. This is episode number 205 already. Can you believe it? 205 times we've woken up together. 205 times we have prayed to God, giving him thanks for this beautiful and wonderful show, this network, this beautiful studio that God has blessed us with. All you great, wonderful people to have fellowship with every day and 205 more times we're going to do it. Actually, 2 million and 5 more times if God allows that to happen. I don't think that's possible. But ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Rise Up. God bless each and every one of you and thank you for being here today. Um, I want to... um, All right. Ashley's sister, Eli, I noticed in the chat, I want to, um, I want to talk about this right away. Uh, Ashley's sister has a newborn baby and is struggling really, really bad right now. It looks like, I don't know if she's, um, doesn't have a place to stay with the baby or what. Um, but if you could let me know, Ashley, what's going on. I didn't get to see as we were getting ready for the show, exactly what is going on with your sister. But I did see that your sister's struggling uh, with a newborn baby. Um, And it looks like financially. So if there's a way we can help, we would like to. Um, Because, you know, with all of the atrocities that we've been hearing about what's been going on with babies around the world. um, She lost her car and is on the verge of losing her home. Which state is she in? And... I assume she's on the verge of losing her home and lost her car because of finances. She's in the state of Georgia. We have a lot of people down in Georgia that would be, you know, willing to help with anything um, as well. Um, $25 for Ashley's sister. Thank you so very much. We will, uh, we will keep track of this today. Um, praying for Ashley. Amen. Amen. Yes, a new flannel. That's the color we need ASAP. Yeah, I thought I'd be like Sean today. Um, another, another $10 for Ashley's sister. What, uh, what, is, what does she need? I mean, I, I, we know she needs money, but what does she need not to lose her home? Is she behind a month on her rent? Uh, tell us a little bit more so we can, you know, actually have a better understanding of what's happening. Um, Eli, if you can, I know you're busy, but if you can kind of keep a keep an eye on that for a minute, I want to uh, I want to talk about what we're going to talk about today, and that is uh, be a little bit more like Noah. Now, I know that there are going to be people. Hold on, to get her car back up to date, she needs three thousand dollars total. She's behind two months on the mortgage. Well, three thousand dollars is a lot. And I don't think we can raise that much. And we definitely can't raise the 3000 plus the two months she's behind on her mortgage. But anything that we raise today on Rise Up will go towards her. And I will also release $500 from the Slurp Fund for your sister. Because families of the people that are here are just imp- as important as the people that are here. So um, unless you are donating to specifically Rise Up or LFA today on Rise Up on this show, specifically at 9 a.m. All donations will go towards Ashley's sister and to help her get her car back so her and her baby are not um, homeless. 
Okay. Scotty said, pick a better place for lunch. 20 bucks. We got 20 bucks. Eli. Uh, or you can send this to Ashley. Let's send this to Ashley instead. Let's send this to Ashley. Okay. We'll get this right out. All right. Um, be a little bit more like Noah. Now I know there's going to be people that say, what do you mean? Noah was a drunk. God, God, you know, Yahweh, the one that created us. He says that Noah was the perfect man in his times. Do you think God could say the same thing about you? Do you think God could say the same thing about me? That I was a perfect man in my time? Ashley says, I'm definitely not asking for much more than prayer. She's also going through depression and she is posting things that are scaring me. Then tell her to come here, Ashley, right now. Send her this link and say that we are raising money for her and we don't even know her. That may help lift her out of depression and it may help to stop her from posting things and to understand that there are people out there that don't even know her, that love her. There are people out there that have no idea who she is that are raising money in a very, very hard time to separate any money from ourselves for her. Har said, Ashley, don't you have another family? I'm assuming you're asking other family members. Do you guys have other family members that are willing to help out with the depression part and help and at least help her? You know, maybe they can't help financially, but maybe they can help, um, you know, lean. She can lean on them in, the, in, in times of depression. Uh, she needs rise up. That's what she definitely needs. Amen. So, Ashley, if you want to give her something eternal and not temporary and finite, then send her this link. And tell her, even if you don't believe in God, there's people here who do believe in God that are raising money for her and her baby. She moved here from Virginia and we're doing everything we can. Amen. Do more. Send her this link and tell her to come in so we can talk to her. That's what we really want. Everything you can would be making sure that she gets into this show, at least today. Because ain't nobody in their right mind going to ignore people that are raising money for them. And maybe, just maybe, we can plant seeds of the gospel in her heart. Amen? All right, ladies and gentlemen, we have 1,040 people watching. I want to thank you very much, and I want to go right to today's description of the show, and then we're going to go to the verse of the day. And uh, I'll tell you how I, how I came about this verse today. And I want to thank everybody who is raising money for Ashley's sister and her niece. This is what we do. Trainer Souls has been struggling badly. That's why I watch Rise Up. Same here. And that's why I'm here too. Okay? Nobody is better or worse than anybody else. We're all here, children of God, leaning on each other, helping each other, talking to each other, making friends with each other, lifelong brothers and sisters in Christ with each other. We'll do what we can. Now, I said, I think we can all be a little bit more like Noah and his family. Think of the times that Noah lived in. They were far worse than today. And today's pretty bad. Babies are getting their heads cut off. Men are being tortured and killed in front of their families. Women are being raped and then killed in front of their husbands all over the world right now by evil, evil people doing it in the name of God. Sounds like the dark ages. 
And Noah's time was still worse than the time we're living in right now. In Noah's time, angels were sleeping with humans. In Noah's time, there were giants that roamed the earth. Jeremy, that's a conspiracy theory. Then why does the Bible say it? Jeremy, you're referring to the book of Enoch. Nope, I'm referring to Genesis, where it talks about giants and Enoch. In those times, every heart in every man and woman was corrupt and evil, except for Noah and his family. So I said, imagine the times. Think of the adversity of those times. Think of the patience they must have had and the trust that Noah had in the Lord. Faith saved humanity in those times. Faith can save our country today. Let's talk about it and spread the gospel, not gossip. Again, ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank you. There's so many of you donating to Ashley's sister. Um, I can't even go through all the names right now, but I just want to say thank you, and we appreciate you, and we know you're not doing it for recognition, although I'd like to recognize you name by name. We appreciate you, and I know Ashley's sister, whether she comes into this show today or not, will also appreciate it. But most of all, God will appreciate it because we're doing God's work here, and this is what we do. We do it for God, not for recognition, and not for namesake. Now, if you have the verse of the day, please open it up. We're going to go to it right now. And I want to tell you why I came, how I should say I came to this verse of the day today. Every day when I get home, my daughter Lily says to me, as soon as I walk through the door and she doesn't stop saying it until she goes to bed. And 10 years ago, if it was my other kids, my first four kids, when I was a new father, I would have been like, not right now, honey. Not right now, buddy. Daddy's busy. But my daughter, every day when I walk through that door, says, Daddy, can we spend time together? And I regret not saying yes every time my older kids asked me that when they were five they were six or they were seven years old or eight or nine or 10 because now they don't want to spend time with me at all. You know how that goes as a parent. So every day when I walk in, my daughter says, daddy, can we spend time together? Now, most of my daughter Lily's life, I've obliged and said, yeah, we can. But there's been a lot of times where I've said, My sister just messaged me. She's coming in, said Ashley. Ashley, what's her name? What's her name? When she comes in, let us know that she's here so that we can talk to her, and I'll stop what I'm talking about, okay? So, like I said, pretty much every time my daughter Lily has asked me that, I'd say 60% of the time I've obliged, but there's still been 40% of the time where I've not because I've just been too tired or my brain is just too messed up from being here in this job. And I'm just like, not right now, honey. I can't even think. I don't do that anymore. My daughter says, daddy, can we spend time together? Guess what we do? We spend time together. So last night was one of those nights. Oops. Last night was one of those nights where I felt very um, mentally exhausted. 
I felt mentally exhausted last night. I couldn't, I couldn't think of anything. I couldn't, I just needed some rest. And I still don't know what Ashley's sister's name is. Anna is her name. Is she in now? Okay. When she comes in, we'll, we'll address her and we'll talk to her. Okay. So let us know when she gets here. Okay. So last night she said, daddy, can we spend time together? I was like, yes, but can we do, um, can we do something a little different than we normally do? Cause she wanted to play Uno. She wanted to play war with cards, something. And I was just like, I just can't think, you know, even though those are mindless games, I just was not into it. I said, can we listen to the Bible? Because she is studying Genesis in school right now. So I said, hey, can we listen to the Bible? And she said, okay, as long as she gets to spend time with her daddy. So we did. We sat down in my bed and we listened to Genesis on audio. And she's in Genesis 1 right now learning it um, in school. And she started saying it with the audio. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and the earth was void and the spirit of the and, and water was on the face of the earth and the spirit of the Lord hovered over the water. She said all of that like word for word. And I, and, and I was so incredibly proud of her six years old knowing that I hugged her and I gave her a five. I gave her fist bumps. So we started listening to Genesis. And of course, we're going to come to the days of Noah. And that's how I got here today. That's how I got to the verse of the day today. I was listening for the hundredth time about Noah. Now, I want to stop right here. Eli, if I don't remember where I am, we're going to talk about, I've heard the story of Noah a hundred times. But right now, Anna is here. Okay? Anna, this is, my name is Jeremy Harrell. And you're here because of your sister. And I don't know if you can see, but there's hundreds of dollars that have been raised for you in these trials that you're going through right now. First of all, we want to say welcome to Rise Up. We know this is probably not a kind of a show that you would normally watch. But what we wanted to do is we wanted Ashley, who was here asking for prayers for you because of everything that you're going through. And God directed me out of the hundreds of people that are in this live chat to see that prayer request. And something that we do here on this network is because we're a very tight knit family here is that when somebody in our chat or in our family or a family member of our family that's here is in need, we do what we can to raise money for them because we have a lot of people. Many hands make light work, Anna. And we're doing this all in God's name. So we don't know if you believe in God. We don't know if you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. But I can tell you, if you knew me 10 years ago, you would say there's no way that man will ever be a Christian. And I'm here. And I'm not here because of church. I'm here because of Jesus. So Ashley was praying for you this morning and asking for prayers for all the things that you're going through. And when asked what you're going through, she told us that you're going through very hard financial times right now. You've lost your car. You're about to lose your house. I can relate. And so can everybody here. What I want to tell you is that we love you. 
We are praying for you. We're praying for your precious little daughter, your sister's niece. Look at all the money coming in for you and for your daughter. We hope that it's enough to get your car back and some. The one thing that we know about God is that God gives more than we ever ask for if it's in his will. And we just want to say that we love you and that you're not alone. And uh, we know that, um, you know, these kind of situations also cause depression. And I don't know if you have it or not. I'm just saying from personal experience, um, I've been there. And I know, oh, it's a little boy. I thought she had a daughter. My fault. I thought, I thought you had a daughter. My fault. It's a, it's a young boy. Okay. Just as good. Um, don't allow yourself to fall down that hole of depression because your, your baby needs you to be fully attentive and in good spirits and enjoy. So we are going to tally up what we, um, what people have donated at the end of the show. And then we are going to send that directly to your sister in your name. So you can cash that immediately and hopefully, hopefully get your car back. Now, on top of all the donations that you see here, we have also donated $500 from our fund, which is like a slush fund, but we call it the slurp fund because we slurp so much coffee all the time. Like that. Just know this. If you feel like you're at rock bottom right now, that's where Jesus is. Jesus is always at rock bottom waiting for everybody. And he can build you back up and he can make you the most the greatest person that you ever wanted to be, the greatest parent that you ever wanted to be. So for you and your baby, we are praying for you. We love you. And we're going to do as much as we can to help you. Let's go to the Lord in prayer for you. And we don't know, again, I don't know if you're a Christian or not, but please pray with us for your child, okay? Lord and Heavenly Father, Lord, today we ask that you cover Anna and her child with the armor of God. And we ask that you rip the evil spirits of depression and anxiety and loneliness out of her body and fill it with joy and peace and love and hope and faith in you. And we thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Wow. We just got 400 from RJ Cat. Ladies and gentlemen, I think we're going to be able to make enough to get her car back. Just by judging, like, I, I, don't, I don't know, but just by judging, by looking at all the comments and all of the money coming in, we may be able to get Anna's car back for her. How incredible. Anna, if you need a free Bible, Jeremy can send one for free. Yes, we can. If you need a Bible, we can get you a Bible too. Trust me, we have plenty of them. Now, ladies and gentlemen... This, this is what it's all about. Yesterday when I was talking about kindness in an evil world, this is what I'm talking about. The world should do this for each other, but they don't. What you're seeing right now happen 
in front of your very eyes is the light of God. This is the way God intended humans to be. He intended us to love each other and to help each other and to be there for each other. Not cut each other's heads off, judge each other, swear at each other, and hate each other. Those were the days of Noah. So I'm asking you today, if you have to, and I know I do in so many ways, change the ways of your life and be more like Noah. Because like I said, and I'll pick it right back up where we left off. Thank you, Anna. We love you, and we'll help you out as soon as we can get that check out to you. I've heard the story of Noah many times. But every time I listen or read the, listen to or read the Bible, I get something new every time. Do you know that I did not know that Noah was on that ark with his family? For as long as he was. I didn't know this. And I've read it a hundred times. February 17th. Does anybody know the significance of that day. As it pertains to Noah. February 17th. The second month. The 17th day. Of Noah's 600th year. On this earth. Is when the rains started. February 17th is when Noah and his family boarded the ark. Look at all the money continuing to come in. This is incredible. Only here on on this station, Eli, only on this network do you see this kind of stuff. Imagine if Fox News did this. Imagine with all their resources and all of their audience, if they helped out people that were watching. Imagine how many millions of people they could lift out of poverty. You think they would do something like this? Never. Is that with the 500 that we donated? Wow. Wow. February 17th. Do you know that they didn't even rest and stop on that boat until October 17th? Completely? June of that year, the waters started to subside. October is when they really, the boat really rested. They didn't even come out until the following year, until Noah's 601 years on this earth. So they were in there for a long time. I never knew that. And I went to the ark. I didn't know that. Did you know that? All I ever remember is 40 days and 40 nights. But obviously, if the world is flooded, it's going to need some time for the waters to disappear. And it was weird because when I found that out last night, I was a little disappointed that I didn't know it, but I was happy to learn something new. You know what I mean? So let's get into this, okay? 
And I want to read everything that I wrote, not just the verse of the day, because I always start out with something, then I read the verse of the day, or then I put the verse of the day, and then I uh, give my, you know, perception of that verse. <laughs> Kittenhead said, you've been to the ark. Yeah, I know. I know. Eli, I haven't received the check for my cat. Well, I... <laughs> The post office is really, 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 really bad. Because remember, we sent it out and we didn't put a date or a stamp on it and it came back and we sent it out again. I'll tell Sabrina today. Eli, can you write that down? Mazzy, pause. I'm so sick of the post office. Wayne Davis says, I've never seen so much love as I do with my LFA family. Amen. Okay. I said, halfway through this week, and it's looking like Donald Trump will be more and more the hero that this nation will choose to not only save the nation, but save the world. Let's just have patience and perseverance, and we will see the light at the end of the tunnel. Even if it takes time, God's timing is always perfect. And here's what I wrote. Genesis 8.1. Then God remembered Noah and every living thing and all the animals that were with him in the ark. And God made a wind pass over the earth and the waters subsided. Kalia says, Jeremy, is it possible the ark and the story of Noah is telling us that we need to meet up at the ark? No, we already know we need to meet up there. It's a matter of when. But I think we're getting there, yeah. I think we're getting there. Why did God remember Noah and every living thing? After all, it says that. Then God remembered Noah and every little thing and all the animals that were with him in the ark. My question is why? Why did God remember Noah and every living thing? Now, when it says God remembered Noah, it's not the same way that you and I would speak of the word remember. It's not like God is going, oh, yeah, that guy. Forgot all about him. That guy. No, it's that he honored his promise, and he honored Noah and blessed Noah for having faith in him and having honor in him. Thank you, TJ. Because of many reasons, God remembered him. But if you want to narrow it down to the main reason, it's faith. Faith. He not only listened and obeyed in building the ark, but he also stayed true to the God, to God, in the most corrupt times where everything and everyone around his household was wicked, corrupt, and evil. Now, before I continue here, let me set the stage here, okay? All right, here we go. We've got Noah and his family. Now, another thing that I noticed when listening to this last night is it said Noah and his wives, not wife, wives, plural, and his children and their wives, Never read that part before either. But I want to set the stage here. Here's this family. 
that God describes as perfect in his time. And not one person outside of Noah and his family were good in any way. They were all wicked. So think of living in this time. Not our time. Our time's getting there. Think of living in that time. You have angels sleeping with women. You have giants. You have corrupt people. You have rape, murder, everything that's bad under the sun. And everybody is that way except for one family on the whole earth. Think about the, their days. Think about the people that were around them. Think about what they must have been through, what they went through day in and day out. After all, they lived to be hundreds of years old. Imagine the hard life he and his family must have had being the only God-fearing people on the entire planet. Now, we don't get much from Noah's life other than the main points of his existence, which is enough. But when you start thinking of it on a human level, it's very interesting to think about. Isn't it? Silver says, I asked you all to pray for my marriage months ago, and it's never been better. Praise God. Thank you all. That's what we're talking about. Ashley said, thank you all very much. Her sister, Anna, messaged her or called her? Messaged her and said what? She is crying and did not expect any of this from strangers. Well, we all are brothers and sisters in Christ. So we are no longer strangers, Anna. We are your family. And we pray for you and that little kid. And we will pray for you and that little kid for the rest of our days. This is what miracles are. I bet you didn't wake up today thinking this would happen. Neither did we. Neither did Ashley. This is called a Holy Spirit that binds us all. And I pray that you know Jesus, Anna. I don't know if you do or not, but this is called grace, blessings, and mercy to people who don't deserve it. We don't. And somebody just said it right. Mazipov says, we are not strangers in Christ. That's true. That's true. Let's get back to Noah. Let's look at his patience. Him and his family built this ark for decades. Imagine the grief they must have received daily by passerbyers or by people in their region. Laughing at them, making fun of them, calling them crazy for what they were doing while they fornicated and murdered and lusted. Imagine the younger people in Noah's family. Because you know about the young people in your family, right? You know how easily they are distracted or, um, or uh, you know, brainwashed. Imagine the young people in his family. And their willingness to continue this 
crazy plan of their father's obedience to the Lord. And they never wavered. They never stopped. They never said, Dad, I'm not doing this. I want to go with those guys over there. I want to go do what they're doing. They stayed with their father because their father had faith in the Lord and they had faith in their father. Amazing. But then imagine the patience they showed on the ark. The better part of a year on that ark, floating around until they finally were able to stop and step out and worship God for everything that they had been through and then repopulate the entire earth. And we wonder why Noah drank. (laughs) We wonder why Noah was a drunk. But God said he was still perfect in his time. God called a drunk perfect in his time. Noah did other bad things. Noah did bad things just like you and I do. And sometimes probably worse. But if you want to think, but if you want to mimic somebody outside of Jesus, trust me, I know a guy. I know a guy. Who's Ham? Someone's important, Bruce Carroll said. I don't know if that, if that was a sarcastic question or what. I didn't know Noah was a drunk. Yes, he was. Yes, he was. The boat? Well, let's get to that. Someone asked how big the boat was. Well... Let's go. Now, somebody put the cubits in there. Does anybody know how big a cubit is? Does anybody know? Patriot Coop said, you learn something new every day. I'm telling you, I do too. Does anybody know how big a cubit is? Well, I'll tell you what. The ark, the ark in the Creation Museum is exact replica to the T of the size of the ark. Three football fields long or something like that, right? I think somebody said. What is it, and what's that in feet? Talking English. Yeah, never mind. 18 to 25 inches, somebody said. Eighteen to twenty-five inches, five hundred and ten feet long. And all you, and again, all you have to do is go to um, go to the internet and pull up the ark in uh, Kentucky, or is it Tennessee? I think it's Kentucky. It was in. Can't even remember. Uh, and you'll see. Just pull up the ark, uh, Ken Ham's ark. And uh, you'll see the size of it. And you'll see people next to it. You'll see how big it is. It's massive. It's massive. Johnny Magic, as a recovering alcoholic, 
that has been sober for nine years, praise the Lord, I still refer to myself as a drunk. 300 yards, there you go. Yep. Uh, Eli, there's a link in there. Get rid of that link. Eli don't like links. (laughs) But I want to go back. I want to see something here. Just give me a second. Have some patience. Talk amongst yourselves for a second. I want to come back to see something here. All right, yes. I misheard that. You are right. I want to read from the uh, from from Noah 7. It says, uh, or I mean Genesis 7. Then the Lord said to Noah, come into the ark, you, you and all your household, because I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. You shall take with you seven of each of every clean animal, male and his female, two of each animals that are, that are unclean, a male and a female, also seven of each bird of the air, male and female, to keep the species alive on the face of the earth. For after seven days, I will cause it to rain on the earth for 40 days and 40 nights, and I will destroy the face of the earth and all the living things I have made. And Noah did according to all the Lord commanded him. Just or Noah was 600 years old when the flood waters were on the earth. So Noah, with his sons, his wife, not wives. Now, hold on a minute. That's the new King James Version. I want to go to the King James Version because I thought for sure that I heard them say wives. Hold on. Nope, you are right. Son's wives with him, not Noah's wives. So you're right. 100%. Thank you for that correction. Another reason why Rise Up is so good. Fellowship together. We, we, we talk to each other. In the book of Genesis, the curse of Ham is described as a curse which is imposed upon Ham's son Canaan for the patriarch Noah. If anybody wants to email me anything to send things to the baby, there is Ashley's email right there in the live chat. Thank you very much. All right, I have a video. It's time for a, a, uh, a video. And it's from Living Waters. And this lady is talking about the five Bible verses that made her leave Christianity. And... Um, This video is going to prove why she was wrong. Roll it. In the Baptist church, and I was a Christian until my early 20s when I deconstructed everything I knew about my faith and about my reality, and I set off on a journey to find truth. She's selling merchandise from what she says are comments left on her YouTube channel. These are probably comments left by trolling atheists. I've had to put up with that for years. Whatever the case, I wouldn't call her a witch. She's just a lost victim of the modern gospel, a false convert who never knew the Lord. So I'm going to do my best to try and answer her arguments, and I hope she listens. It has now been 13 plus years later. I have not found the ultimate truth, but I think that's the point. I think the point is to get to a point where you become comfortable just saying, I don't know. I don't know what's beyond this. I don't know who God is. I don't know what my purpose here is on earth. The Bible tells us that a Christian is someone who knows the Lord. So here's a question for you. When you profess to be a Christian, did you know the Lord? 
That question puts you into a dilemma, because if you say that you knew him, you're saying that Jesus is real, and your whole premise falls apart. So you'll more than likely say, I thought I knew the Lord. And then you'll add, I really sincerely believed. And that's one sign of a false conversion, according to the parable of the sower. They believe for a season. So clearly, you faked it for all those years, and you fell away in time. And your falling away almost certainly traces itself back to the fact that you never saw your sin in its true light. And so you ended up with a morally high view of yourself and a very low moral view of God, as we'll see by your words. So today I want to talk about five Bible verses that sparked my deconstruction and caused me to inevitably lose my faith. There are a lot of unsavory things in the Bible, but these specifically are verses that I felt I could not justify. I could not find a good reason that they would be in the Bible, that they would be a part of God's divine inspired word. So the first passage I want to talk about is from Romans 9, which was the starting point of my deconstruction journey. Up until the point that I read and studied and chewed on the words in Romans 9, I believed in a God who created all people, gave them free will, and that he wanted all people to be saved, but he couldn't violate their free will to save them. And that it was the most loving thing he could do to give people freedom. And within that freedom, they could either choose him and go to heaven or they could reject him and go to hell. And that would be entirely their choice. Starting in verse 16, it does not therefore depend on human desire or effort, but on God's mercy. Meaning there is nothing about you that can come to God and choose. God has to choose you. It says in verse 18, therefore God has mercy on whom he wants to have mercy and he hardens whom he wants to harden. When Christians talk about you have a hardened heart against God, the Bible says that God's the one that hardened it. Her argument is that none of us have a free will. That Romans 9 says that God hardens our hearts. We have no choice. So how does the Christian reconcile human free will with the sovereignty of God? Think of Lazarus being raised from the dead. He'd been dead for four days, so dead that he stunk. Until Jesus made him alive, it was impossible for him to respond. He had no free will. This is because he was dead. It was only after Jesus made him alive that his free will came into play. He then responded to his voice. That was the exercising of his free will. And like Lazarus, you and I are dead in our trespasses and sins. We are so dead we stink. Even our righteous deeds are as filthy rags in the sight of God. And like dead Lazarus, it's impossible for us to respond to his voice because we are dead in our sins. Therefore, it's only when we're made alive in Christ that we can hear his voice and can exercise our free will. That's why the scriptures say, Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Again, like Lazarus, we're dead in trespasses and sins. We can't respond to his voice until God makes us alive. Like dead Lazarus, we have no free will until that happens. And once we're made alive in Christ and can hear his voice, we can respond or harden our heart. That's why we're warned, today if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. But this is what Pharaoh did. He was proud and stubborn. And if you and I are proud and stubborn, God will resist us. The Bible says he resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. And as Romans chapter 1 warns, if we continue in sin, he may even give us over to a reprobate mind. 
However, that's not his will. The Bible tells us that he's not willing that any perish, but that all come to repentance. He commands all men everywhere to repent. And Scripture says, Whoever believes or trusts in Jesus shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Whoever. So you do have a free will. And if you harden your heart, God may hand you over to what you're choosing, death and hell. And you don't want that to happen, where he says to you, tonight your soul is required of you. The defense, God made me do it, which she says is what scripture is saying, doesn't hold up in a court of law, and it certainly won't hold up on judgment day. The second passage that really caused me to question the Bible was Psalm 137.9. And you've probably heard it. It's a popular one that is used within the deconstruction community to really talk about these atrocities in the Bible. And it says this, happy is the one who seizes your infants and dashes them against the rocks. Now, it is really important to understand the context of this verse. This is what's known as an imprecatory prayer. Um, it is praying evil against your enemies. It is a lamentation. It is an expression of grief. Basically, what this psalmist is writing is uh, about how they were treated so badly by their enemies, and so they want to repay them for what they've done. And this is often justified by Christians in this way. You know, well, they were just expressing themselves. They weren't actually bashing babies into rocks. They just you know, wanted justice. They wanted revenge. But my problem with that is that this is supposed to be the inspired word of God. God is supposed to be inspiring every word of this book. And God never condemned them for praying this prayer. He never said, hey, don't, don't think that way. Don't, don't be so vengeful. Don't be so angry. Don't, don't wish for the harm of innocent babies. No, this is, this is perfectly fine in God's eyes. Killing babies is perfectly fine in God's eyes? Is she saying that God is for abortion? I don't think she's being honest here. She must know from scripture that there are thousands of incidents in the Bible where people did and said evil things, and heaven was silent. God is never complicit when it comes to evil. Rather, the opposite is happening. Every time we sin in thought, word, and deed, we are storing up wrath that's going to be revealed on the day of judgment. And those who have actually killed their babies through abortion will on that day find that he's perfectly just. And they, as sure as hell, and I say that in truth, will come under his just wrath on that terrible day. The third passage that really just struck me, big red flags popped up when I read it, um, was in Deuteronomy 22, starting in verse 28. If a man happens to meet a virgin who is not pledged to be married and he assaults her and they are discovered, he shall pay her father 50 shekels of silver. He must marry the young woman for he has violated her. He can never divorce her as long as she lives. Now, when I read this in the earliest stages of my deconstruction journey, I was very confused and I thought there has to be an explanation for this. There's no way that God commanded women to marry men who assaulted them if they just paid their father. Like there's, there's no way the Bible says this. I need to figure this out. I contacted my old pastor and I asked if I could discuss some things with him because I had some questions. So we set up a, a night to have dinner. I went over to his house. I, I pointed out this verse and I said, what does this mean? Like what, how can you justify this? And he said, yeah, you know, this is what it says is true that time in the culture, um, you know, if a man 
did that to a woman, she would be considered unclean and not eligible to be married and that would ruin her life. And so the best thing they could do is have him pay money to her father and buy her. And then he'd have to marry her and he'd have to take care of her for the rest of her life. He would be obligated to do that. That is his punishment. And some people who are indoctrinated, who are taught not to question it, will just go, oh, okay, that makes sense. But not me. I, I couldn't. I could not make sense of that. Well, let me see if I can make it make sense for you. This is from a video called Eloquent Atheist Goes Off on Christian. That there are specific texts, religious texts, that condone evil actions. For instance, in the Bible it says that if you rape a woman, you're allowed to marry her. You can actually force your, your victim, you can rape them, and then force a marriage upon that person and take that person as your wife. How evil is that? Now, I'd like to answer that question, but you've got to give me one minute to answer sure. without butting in. Here's the verse that's so often cited by atheists to say that a raped woman had to marry the rapist. If a man find a damsel that is a virgin, which is not betrothed, and lay hold on her and lie with her, and they be found, then the man that lay with her shall give unto the damsel's father fifty shekels of silver, and she shall be his wife. Notice the words, and they be found. To bring context to this verse, three verses previous to it, it says that if a man rapes a woman, he was to be put to death. But if a man find a betrothed damsel in the field, and the man force her and lie with her, then the man only that lay with her shall die. Unbelievably, in the light of the previous verses saying that a rapist was to be put to death, a number of modern translations interpret lay hold on her as rape. So for those who can figure out that a dead man can't marry the woman he raped, coupled with the fact that the verse says, if they be found, implying they were both guilty, this verse obviously refers to consensual sex. It's similar to what we nowadays call a shotgun wedding. They had to get married. So I, I don't want to, you know, we don't have a lot of time to keep going. This is a long video. Um, but you can see, and somebody said something right. She's reading and quoting from Levitical law which was done when Jesus died for us. And in a sense, you're right. In a sense, you're right. Um, but it's very easy, isn't it, for people to cherry pick and teach. And even people who aren't cherry picking don't always get it right. I mistook what I heard today for wives for wife. So we got to make sure that we hold each other accountable to the word of God and that we don't cherry pick and that we put everything in context Everything must be put in context, ladies and gentlemen, because if not, you don't get the truth. You don't get the truth. Now, we have pictures of little Cairo, the, the, the little boy uh, whose mother we just raised money for. Can we pop, him, uh, pop his picture on the screen here? Boom. Look at that. Look at that little handsome guy. Eyes full of joy and curiosity and wonder and life and blessings and God. What a beautiful little boy. Wow, that's little Cairo, ladies and gentlemen. That's who you all helped today. In the name of God, in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But we also have another picture of little Cairo. Let's uh, see if we can get that one up on the screen here. Yeah, him laying down. That's cute. What a little cutie. I remember these days. Oh, 
I don't want him again. But I remember these days. Here's little Kairos fast asleep, ladies and gentlemen. Fast asleep. Swaddled up. Bundled up with his little stocking cap on. Warm and snug as a bug in a rug. What a cute little boy. Well, Anna, we pray that you continue to go to church with your sister and your family. We pray that Jesus can enter your life fully. And we pray that you can offer. We're talking about offerings this morning with the music. We pray that you can offer your son uh, to God as, 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 a thankful, as a thanksgiving to him for giving your son to you and for giving you such a wonderful family that cares about you so much that they go on shows with people that are complete strangers to you and ask for prayers, and it ends up God answers your prayers and brings that back in the form of money, which is going to save you and your baby from all of the trials and tribulations that you're going through right now, and maybe, just maybe, even let you know that there's people out there who love you and that you're not alone and that this family is huge, thousands of people, bigger than any family that you have, and we're here for each other. So, offer your son to Christ today. Offer your life to Christ today, as we do here every day. This is our offering. Sean Farish, Ungoverned, comes up next. Thank you for being here on Rise Up. We hope to see you again tomorrow, and I'll see you at 11 o'clock for Live from America. God bless. This is my